0: On today's Locked On Thunder, we're going to dive into a viewer mailbag from Twitter. The expectations for the Thunder, the rotation for the Thunder, the Thunder made some roster moves, and so much more. On today's Locked On Thunder, your daily podcast about the Oklahoma City Thunder on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. Now available on YouTube and all platforms. Let's get into the show. <laughs> Daily Oklahoma City Thunder Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder Podcast, on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Rylan Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore You can also find me over at ThunderousIntentions.com, site expert over there. Media member and your host right here on the Lockdown Thunder podcast every single day on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. Thank you for making Lockdown Thunder your daily listen, your first listen every single morning. We're here for you recapping all things Thunder Basketball. Today's show will be a viewer mailbag. We got that for you. A ton of questions over there from Twitter. which You can go ask some more questions over there if you want to or just follow me for all the updates on the Thunder. They also made some roster moves that we're going to dive into as well. Coming up in the show... The Thunder of a back-to-back, so they're going to play on Wednesday and Thursday in the preseason against the Denver Nuggets in Oklahoma City and in Tulsa, respectively. And then we're also going to talk to our draft expert, which Richard staman, about the young players already on the center team and what college players complement them the most and what college games you should be looking forward to the most this season. So a lot to get into this week. Make sure you subscribe anywhere you get podcasts from. It's free. It's available on all platforms. And this, of course, is your first listen every single morning, and I appreciate that for you. And a big congratulations to yourself and pat yourself on the back because you guys have made this the biggest week of Locked on Thunder history. Let's do it again this week, next week, and every other week. So I asked on Twitter if you had any questions for Locked on Thunder, and we got a ton of responses that we're going to dive into. Let's start with at Sam Brooke 6214174 They say, expectations for the Thunder this season. I think that it's pretty simple where you're not going to look for individual wins or losses. You're not going to look for uh, the scoreboard. You're simply looking at individuals. So what did Taylor out do this game? For example, tail Malbana, last year he struggled a ton to finish the rim. This year he's a lot stronger. He's noticeably bigger. Uh, it's been noticeable in pictures. It's been noticeable by his teammates in training camp. Uh, can he improve finishing at the rim? Storylines such as that one. Uh, Lou Dort's three-point shooting. We saw it so far be incredible and, and not drop off from where it was last offseason and last season as a whole. Uh, how does that progress? How, how does his offensive game as a whole progress? Pokushevsky, does he look more comfortable? And so on and so forth. You're looking more so at those individual storylines and then getting a baseline for your rookies. How good is Josh Giddy right now? And then what will what will his you know area of improvement need to be this offseason same thing with Trey jerry and trey Mann. so it's just about individual storylines and and trying to figure out who you can pick out of this group you know that that will be a part of your long-term future i mean you know that shea is going to be the guy you know that dort has solidified himself as somebody who's going to be very valuable for a championship level team you know what who else can add to that group for sure Uh, so watching how individuals progress will be the expectations this year um, I would say in this season, you're hoping that Shea can be an all-star and a lot of that has to do with not with Shea. So it'll be tough to kind of gauge that. And and it's tough to say that's, a, that's an expectation because if Shea does not reach an all-star level, it does not mean he played bad this year. It does not mean that he played even worse than last year. He could play better than last year and still not get in because it's a popularity contest and some people vote based on record and the Thunder will not have a good record so like it's even hard to say expectation for the all-star game for Shea because there's so much more that goes into it than just him playing well so in terms of a tangible expectation for the Thunder this year um, I would say they still can test a lot of shots as they did last year because in this small ball uh, defensive lineup you've got to see the formula of how it can work and there's going to be growing pains there's going to be games like like on Sunday whenever you just can't really defend a bigger team like that uh, but you do want to see games also where they kind of execute very well. So it's hard to say like a tangible, you know, kind of expectation. But in terms of what to watch for the season, you're expecting young guys to progress, such as Lou Dort and Cam Aldon finishing at the rim better. Uh, this one is from at I'm So Dizzy. They say, should Moose start at center? He opens up so much for Shea and Josh Giddy. I-, I think that the starting lineup will be set as Shea, Dort, Giddy, Baisley, and then a small ball five and Isaiah Roby or JRE. Uh, I, I agree that, that that Muscala is somebody who can space the floor. I think that JRE can as well. I think that you saw a lot of that on Sunday that you didn't see with Roby on the floor uh, where he, they're running pick and pop with him and Shea and Jerry's being like that kind of top of the key facilitator. Uh, of course, Muscala has a better three-point shot right now um he's one of the better shooters on the team right now so in general this makes sense i'm not sure if you want to start this way or if you just want to have lineups where you know both of them are playing with, uh, with, with muscala as well I, I think that the starting lineup though should be one of the young guys and not muscala that's just kind of the way that i'm viewing the season as playing young guys and prioritizing young guys but there will be times where we see this lineup and it will be i would imagine one of their most successful ones so if you go look at you clean the glass or any of these other advanced stats sites where they show you how well an individual lineup performed. I would imagine that you're right, that whenever those three share the floor, no matter the pieces around them, it's one of the better uh, lineups that the Thunder can put out there right now. But there's just so many other things that go into the lineups this year. Whenever you're not you know actively trying to win as many games as you possibly can, I, I think that again, Jerry, though, does, does a lot of that too. Like he does a lot of that space in the floor stuff as well. And he went, what, two for eight last night, uh, I on Sunday. I think that he can knock down more of those shots and eventually defense will respect him more and they'll get out on him. And if they don't respect him, I think that he can have nights where he goes four for eight or where he goes five for eight even and has a really nice night from beyond the arc. So I like JRE personally. Uh, Roby, of course, if he would be a confident and willing shooter, would be good at this as well. So it just comes down to that for me in terms of spacing and how uh, to get that space. Uh, from at <laughs> am not Evan, the Lockdown Cavs host, How does it feel not having Evan Mobley on the roster? Josh Giddey is superior. Love Josh Giddey. Obviously, uh, Mobley's been fantastic in preseason as well. Uh, And congratulations to the Cavs for having that lottery luck and getting uh, Evan Mobley. But uh, it's it's a nice uh, crossover on the network. Make sure you go check out Lockdown Cavs. Those guys are funny. Uh, Those guys are good. And you can go listen and see how the Cavs are doing as well. Uh, At Funky Lays, who takes the biggest leap this year? This is probably one of the... Uh, more interesting and better questions that we were going to have today. And so it might spin into the next segment. But um, you know, we saw those uh, leaps last year, uh, surprisingly. I mean, Kendrick Williams, Isaiah Roby, two guys who were fringe NBA players that solidify themselves as um, NBA guys. You know, I mean, Kendrick Williams was just a throw in and a, and a kind of salary matcher uh, that was put on a contract where it was at the time evident. He would not be in the NBA this year. What would be now this season? And now he's somebody that was valued at maybe a first-round pick at the deadline last year that they didn't trade. So I think that with Kenny Hustle, you saw a huge leap last year in solidifying that. And Isaiah Roby, same thing, where his injuries, his slow start to his career, um, maybe kind of left you saying, I don't know what to do with this guy. And they had a really bad preseason last year. You still kind of were perplexed. And now – I think that Isaiah Roby has carved out a lane for him in the NBA and that he can be somebody who's on an NBA roster. Will it be this one? I don't know, but is on an NBA roster in the future. um, For sure. I think that he's, he's an NBA caliber player now. So uh, there can be big leaps this year. Uh, I'm going to say that you take away the rookies because you know, if Josh Giddey takes a leap uh, this year, it's kind of just his baseline, right? So like, we don't really know what a leap would be for Josh Giddey. It's just kind of the way he performs. So you take out the rookies, uh, you take out Kenny Hustle and Isaiah Roby because I don't think that they can take uh, leaps. You know, I think that they kind of have hit their leap already and have kind of hit their big jump. And then you're left with Shea, who had a huge leap last year, Lou Dort, Darius Baisley, Tim Malvon, Ty Jerome, Pokushevsky. You're left with those kind of players. And of that remaining group, where it's not Roby, not Muscala, not Deck, not uh, you know, these kind of players like that, that have kind of either already taken their leap or don't really see any upside in them. And you can't take the rookies either. Cause they're just kind of going to start their baseline. No matter how good or bad it is. I think that it's an interesting question to see who takes that leap. And I'll have my answer for you on the other side. But first I want to say right now, pretty good friends over at our good friends over at the sleeper app. The sleeper app is the place to be. It's an awesome app for you to use. You should be checking it out right now as we head towards basketball season. We're a week away from the NBA season opening up, so you need to get your fantasy leagues in line, and the easy way to do that is sleep wrap. So every year around this time, you're going to tell yourself this is your year. You're going to get into fantasy basketball. You're actually going to play this year, and for the first month of the season, three weeks of the season, you're going to stay true to that promise. You're going to be tracking your lineup daily. You're going to be making sure you have all the lineups set correctly, and you're going to be doing all that busy work. But by Christmas, by New Year's, you'll kind of have fallen off of that that path a bit to where you're not checking every single day and you're even losing some matchups, not based on the team you drafted. Maybe you've out-drafted your entire friend group, your entire league. But since you do not have the time for the busy work, you just lose the game because they're playing guys who play more games that week than you do. So you should never lose that way. You should never lose just due to the other person being able to do more busy work than you. What you should do is go to sleeper app and start a game picks league game picks makes this more like fantasy football. You pick one game per week uh, for your starters to count. And every other game that week does not count for them. It's just a one week that you, it's just the one game that you pick that week that will count for them. And so you look ahead on like say Sunday morning and you say, okay, you know, what matchup do I think that my starter Shea will go off in? Well, he plays the bucks on Tuesday and then he plays the Rockets on Thursday, for example. So maybe I want him to count that Rockets game and not the Bucks game. Just those kind of strategic elements providing provide Game Pick make fantasy basketball a much better place, a much uh, kind of more fun place than just having to sit there and do mindless busy work. So Game Pick on the Sleeper app is where you should be to start your fantasy leagues uh, this year. Make sure you go do that before the start of the season and invite your friends, play along with a more strategic Basketball game, game picks on the Sleeper app. We are back on the Locked On Thunder podcast, on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Rylan Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Stiles. Thank you for making Locked On Thunder your first listen. For your second listen this morning, go check out Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Host Josh Lloyd gets you set for your fantasy leagues. He's a GOAT. He just is doing so much content over there to get you set for your leagues. Make sure you follow along all year long, especially right now in this time of year. Uh, So, who takes the biggest leap this season? Look, I think that with SGA, he's kind of taking his leap now. There still could be a lot of room for him to grow, and he can still take another leap. But it's kind of hard to project that or kind of put that onto him for this specific year. Uh, I think that Lou Dort. It's interesting because he's only twenty two years old and he still has a ton of room to grow himself as a player, but realistically, how much more do you want to expect from him than to be an otherworldly defender and a guy who can knock down above league average from three, especially in the corners. So that kind of leaves me with Ty Jerome, Darius Baisley, because we're not counting the rookies we're not counting the uh, kind of older fellows like Favors and Muscala. And, and I don't think that Gabriel Deck has a big leap in him. And, and so you go down this list and there's a lot of interesting candidates in Ty, in Tim Alvon, Ty Jerome, Pokushevsky, Baisley, Vit, even. But again, he's a, he's a rookie, so I don't really want to count him because I don't really even know where to put his baseline to even know if he took a leap this year or not. Uh, so I'm going to go with Darius Baisley because there's a big contingent of Thunder fans who have kind of given up on Baisley or like kind of every time that he doesn't perform perfectly, get really upset on Twitter and in my mentions and everything. I think that Terius Baisley is still a good basketball player, and hopefully the Thunder put him in better positions to be successful. You know if you listen to this podcast before that I feel like last year this team did not utilize him properly, and he's not somebody that you can just sit in the corner uh, and have him have spot-up threes. I think that you need him relocating off ball, cutting, being more aggressive on drives, and having the ball in his hands more. I think that one of his uh, better traits is playmaking and ball handling for his size, and that's what he thrived in before coming into the NBA, and then in the NBA has not gotten that chance uh, to utilize that skill set yet. And so I think that with Baisley, we'll probably see him play a different role this year. He's been a good defender last year. Might seem to take a leap there as well defensively. So I think that this year, Baisley will be a player that changes the perspective of, of the fan base the most. Um, maybe if Tim Allen finishes more at the rim and still shoots the three very well, he'll take a bigger leap than Bazley. Uh, but I, I think that leap, a lot of the times, it's hard to quantify how good a or bad a player did uh, comparatively to their last season. I think that leap also would just mean the biggest perception boost from the fan base. Like, who does the fan base rally around more than they did a year prior? I think that Bayes is a prime candidate for that. So the next question comes from at Pizza Lover Ty. The Thunder shot 54 three pointers in the game against the Bucks. Do you expect uh, a sizable increase in three shot the Thunder this year? Uh, so Mark is very heavy on shooting the three. He saw that at the beginning of uh, beginning of last year too. There's the whole storyline, which is how many things that they were shooting. Uh, I think that every single year they're going to hunt threes and, and uh, you know maybe it's not going to be specifically called hunt threes because, you know, Mark's always talking about how you take the shot and the flow of the offense. But um, yes, I think that the three point shooting will be a focal point of their offense. Now, will it be a targeted number? I think that that's the part where I agree with Mark on this, uh, you know, uh, Mark's an interesting coach to talk to. He's, he's very open and honest, and you know he, he's he's mentioned before that they don't really target a number of shots, right? Like they don't go into the game thinking, okay, we have to shoot 54 threes today. They just say whatever comes within the full of the offense, and then also maybe value threes more than more than twos. I think that the Thunder will shoot a ton of threes this year. I think that the pick and pops that you can run with uh, the big men on this roster kind of lead into that. The fact that SGA is so good at the driving kick leads into that. Um, I think that they will shoot a ton of threes. So, yes, I will say that they will have um, a leap in three-pointers again. At Beastbrook29, uh, knowing what you know now, would you rather have Jalen Suggs or Josh Giddy? I feel like we don't really know a ton in terms of their NBA um, ability yet. I think that Josh Giddey's played very well in preseason. I think that Jalen Suggs has played pretty well in preseason, all things considered. Um, I think that whoever your favorite player was in the draft process should still be your favorite player right now. Of those two, I don't think you should overreact to anything in the summer league or from the preseason. Um, for me, I think that Josh Giddy and his fit with Shea, um, kind of put some issues or or some kind of queries to rest, right? Of, of like, wh- whenever we looked at uh, Josh getting in the pre draft process, you know, you kind of wonder how can he play next to Shea? He's done a much better job of that in the preseason and in training camp and what we could have thought. However, what's to say that Jalen Suggs wouldn't have done that as well. So it's, it's tough to kind of pit the two against each other right now, especially without having a whole ton of, um, to go off of a ton of data to go off of for each player. Um, I'll stick with Josh Giddy right now. If I just had to answer the question, uh, but Jalen Suggs has that star potential, that it factor of uh, maybe he, maybe his rise to being a star will be quicker than Josh Giddy's rise to being a star. But Josh Giddey also shown flashes of being somebody who's like a blue chip prospect. We we raved about Josh Giddy like all of last week it felt like, so go back and listen to last week's podcast as well. I'd, I'd stick with Josh Giddy right now, but it's an interesting question, um, and I think that it's something that you're going to follow for a long time. Of course, uh, although the Thunder didn't really have a choice in this matter, it was not like they picked uh, you know Giddy over Suggs. Suggs was already gone at that point. And so I think that the more interesting question to track would be uh, Kaminga and Giddy, which I think that so far Kaminga – uh, is not as good as Giddy right now in the NBA, but we knew that. We knew coming in that Kimming would be a very raw player that needed some time to develop and, and some time to grow. Uh, another question from Beastbrook, after yesterday's game uh, where the Thunder lacked size and it was a huge issue, do you still think that pure small ball can work or did the Thunder need a real big man? Um, so another question that we kind of bleeding to the next segment, because this is the very one that I find very interesting. I, I, think, I think that the Thunder um, trying to find that new edge, trying to find that competitive balance, trying to find that, market efficiency uh, within the NBA is interesting. I think that um, the Thunder realized that to win in Oklahoma City, to win in a small market, you need to be very good at drafting. You need to be very good at your trades. You need to be very good at strategically just trying to find any form of advantage you have in the margins because the Thunder can't just outpower teams, right? They're not going to be able to just go out there and sign Paul George and Kawhi Leonard and uh, go get LeBron and go get these other stars to where uh, not only do you need to draft and develop stars, you also need to put them in position to win games Again, with a huge market efficiency. I think that the small ball stuff is fascinating and playing an entire lineup of playmakers, which which is their goal whenever this whole rebuild's over, will be fascinating. Um, Do I think that they need a true big man anchor? No, I don't think you need a Rudy Gobert type to win in the NBA. Um, Nice to have, but you don't need it in the NBA. And in fact, there's a lot of benefits not to having one of those guys um, in the NBA. So, can it work? I think it can. Um, there's a lot of ifs, though, and there's a lot of buts, and there's a lot of qualifiers, and there's a lot of uh, moving parts to make it work. It will not be seamless. It will not be easy. And this year, you might think it's not going to work. So this year, it'll look very um, poor at times, as it did on Sunday. Uh, this year, you're going to st- start to pull your hair out and wonder why this team does not have a center the way that you played in high school and what you played in college and what you that you you know have seen your entire life. Why haven't they? Why aren't they playing basketball the way that I'm used to? It's kind of the same aspect that the Oakland A's played with Moneyball, where they're now quantifying OPS and, and they're and they're trying to get on base percentage more than they're trying to get batting average. And you know, they're trying the Thunder are trying to change the game in that way of finding um, the next competitive edge for their small market team. Small ball stuff is interesting. We're gonna talk about that coming up, but first I'll tell you right now. We're good friends over at betonline.ag. Betonline is your online support book experts. You can use the promo code locked on to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. With the new updated site and interface and odd previews and bets and contests and odds, Bet Online continues to be number one source for uh, betting on football, basketball, baseball, all that fun stuff at BetOnline.ag. You can bet on the Thunder opening night against the Jazz plus 12 and a half, as I've already done. Uh, spoiler alert for the game preview of that game, I've already gotten the Thunder uh, plus 12 and a half. There is no need uh, to worry anymore about where to go bet. Betting on line was the best place to go to. AG, your online sportbook experts. You can buy the spread, over-unders, prop bets, player props, everything that you want to. Awards as well. Shea's the top guy for most improved player. There's everything you need at BetOnline.ag. Make sure you go there right now and use the code LOCKEDON to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. We are back on the Locked On Thunder Podcast, on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Rylan Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan_Styles underscore uh, And also, Thank you for making this your first listen every single morning. For your second listen, go check out Locked On Fantasy Basketball with Josh Lloyd. I good set for fantasy basketball and, and this season uh, as a whole. Now, the question from Matt B spoke, uh about small ball and can it work? Yes, it can work. Will it work this year? I, I struggle to see it working this year in terms of just the raw defensive numbers. With small ball, it puts so much stress on your other aspects of defense. Because now, right, you do not have a rim protector. There's no true anchor to your defense, and it's easy to attack a specific area of your team. It's easy to get mismatches in small ball. because, In all likelihood, the other team will have a player on the floor bigger than 6'9 on the floor. Uh, so if you're going to give up that advantage, now you have to be perfect in your rotations. Now you can't have what happened in, in, on Sunday whenever you saw a play where Jeremiah Robinson Earl, who's a small ball five, kind of came out uh, to switch in the perimeter and went to Lou Dort's guy. Lou Dort was already guarding, leaving Grayson Allen wide open in the corner. And then Grayson Allen just drove to the rim and dunked it. And it was just a easy layup and an easy dunk for the, the you know, It puts so much pressure on you to be perfect on the perimeter and with your switches that it's going to be very hard for this specific team uh, to overcome that because they're all young and defense is typically the last thing to come to young players. And so typically the last thing that they kind of, uh, can understand and can, um, you know, perfect, right? You can easily translate your offensive game. It's hard to translate defensively because you're just playing these just incredible athletes that you're not used to seeing every single night and much less playing 82 games and all that goes into a full season of basketball and just the rigors of that. So this year, will it work? I don't think so. I think that the raw defensive numbers will be bad this year. And I think that again, you're going to have, you're going to have nights where if you're watching this team every single night that you're going to say, why don't they have a center? Why don't they have run protection? In the future, whenever these young players get better defense and understand defense more, uh, whenever you add better players to this roster, uh, I think that it can work. I think that it can be something that um, is actually beneficial because uh, while they're 6'9", I mean, Josh Giddey's a great rebounder. Baze is a great rebounder. Um, you know, I think that Jerry and Izzaro can be good rebounders. These guys, at their size, understand rebounding, and that's the first key. You want to understand rebounding and be able to get rebounds, that way you can end possessions, and then also – when they get those rebounds, they're fast enough, quick enough to push the pace, which gives you the advantage on the other end. So you might lose the advantage on the defensive end, but if your playmakers can get rebounds and then just start the break immediately and not have to wait for a guard, not have to kind of slow things down, just go, 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 then you should be pushing the pace. You should be scoring a lot. You should be on the advantage almost every single time. Right? It's almost like, it's almost like in, this, in this small ball world where everyone's a playmaker, it's almost as though you're creating a power play in hockey every single possession if all goes right. So, the thing is, all's not going to go right. You know, all's not going to go right whenever you have these young players. This year will be a ton of growing, a ton of growth. Uh, but the vision that they have is interesting. Um, the vision that they have, I think, can work. Will it work is another question. Do you believe that you can play this way? Do you believe that it's a huge advantage to have five playmakers? Do you believe that uh, you can create that fast break opportunity almost every time on a, on a missed shot from the other team? Can that really be something that you create? All those questions will be different based on who you ask. There'll be some people who think that you can only win with a traditional center. Some people who think that the traditional center is actually not good. Some people who are in the middle. So I think that it's good to have a player that can anchor your defense on the roster. So I think that whenever this team's fleshed out and they've built it the way they want it to and they're actually trying to compete, maybe you do want to have a player who you view can be a traditional, really good post defender and you use him seldomly right like you use him just in certain specific mashups and in certain times in the game he's not a starter he's not a heavy rotational player he's just somebody that you use occasionally i think that that can be something that they go down uh, later on whenever this roster is flushed out but in general they're going to try this small ball group and they're going to try this positionless basketball and everyone's a playmaker type of lineups and we'll see if it works we'll see if it creates the advantage they want it to Uh, but i think that the vision is interesting i think that the team is interesting i think that 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 it can for sure work. Will it work is another question in itself, and I think that it would. Uh, you just have to have the right pieces, and, and you not only need to look for playmakers, but look for people who can understand defense, understand rebounding, and understand uh, their role. You cannot have non-defenders, and then also your tallest defender is 6'9", right? That's not going to work if they're just n- unwilling defenders. But so far, the people that they've drafted who are going to be here long-term are very willing defenders, so that's a plus right there. So this question from at Daniel cut gunning for the one seed, uh, assuming that this is a joke or that you're asking if they're going to gun for the top pick. Yes, they're going to gun for the top pick in this draft. Uh, at Lance Reyes, 719, it uh, says, how does Poku fit in our offense? Interesting for, for Poku. If this, if Poku can develop, if fits beautifully. It's a seven-footer who can play make and play on the perimeter on offense, and is a great wing player on offense. he can shoot if he does, if he does that like if if, if develops into an NBA player, that's a very good one and that and that can do all that we hope he can do. He'll be able to be a seven footer who can play make, who can dribble, who can shoot from beyond the arc, uh, who has some interesting drives because of his dribbling ability and now has some added strength that can help him drive even more to the basket and can be a very very good passer for a size. So it's perfectly. It's another player who can do almost everything on the floor as a playmaker and as somebody who can get his teammates involved. So if he can develop into his own and, and if he can kind of reach uh, what you're hoping he can, right, then that is the ideal player. It's why Sam Preston was so enamored with him last draft, and it's why he's on the roster right now. It's just a matter of when does he develop and if he develops uh, for this point. Uh, at Jose and then Adorado, I believe. I'm sorry if I mispronounce that. C-N-B- how optimistic are you about Josh Giddey's shot development? Um, you know, I'm pretty optimistic about it because I don't think his shot is totally broken. I think that it's a nice little shot. There's some minor tweaks you can make to it, which the Thunder will. Uh, I think that we've seen that NBA players like Lillo Ball were bad at threes in the NBL because of the worse spacing and, and just all that goes into playing a different play style. And becoming in the NBA, where we get more spacing and you get more open looks. And you knock down shots. I think that Josh Giddy was a 30% shooter last year in the NBA. I know he was. And he says that he says that kind of that percentage has got kind of drugged down by a slow start to the season, a slump in the early season with the shooting. I think that if he's a 35% shooter from three, like, like what you need to be hoping for is that he can be league average. And then if he's anything above league average, then it really opens this game up. But if he's just simply league average with his ability to drive at his size, his ability to use his body to shield off defenders and get to the rim seamlessly his floater game that he already has at 18 years old and his elite passing if he's league average from three then that's enough then then that creates this amazing offensive weapon for you so do I believe that Josh giddy can get to league average absolutely I do I so yes I believe in his shot um, and believe that it can be something uh, that the Thunder uh, can utilize long term now again will it, what will it be this year that's still up in the air for sure uh, last question from at anti wiper which leads me to tomorrow's show um, the Thunder idea, Here's an idea. The Thunder uh, trade Derek Favors to Toronto for Goran Dragic. Uh, Dragic reduces their uh, luxury, ta- luxury tax penalty from Toronto uh, and, and blah, blah, blah. Number one, no. I, I, don't, I think that Goran Dragic is going to be much better uh, return than Derek Favors. I don't think that Favors uh, really fits. And I don't think that Toronto really cares about the luxury tax in general uh, because they can also just trade him to Dallas. And Dallas can give them players who are cheaper than Derek Favors and more interesting than Derek Favors. Uh, so, if Dallas can give them a couple young players and lesser their tax bill, uh, and they can actually develop those young players in that great Toronto developmental system, that's much better value than Derek Favors. However, uh, your other point that you've made uh, many times on a lot of other tweets uh, of mine at Anti Wiper, these weeks tomorrow's show. So, I want to say what's coming up on, on tomorrow's show. So, tomorrow we're going to have a roster preview and a roster prediction. The Thunder have made some roster moves. They've, they've waived Rob Edwards, but signed Jalen Horde. Uh, a lot of you uh, maybe aren't familiar with this. The Thunder are going to do this probably for the next coming days, uh, and, and it's already started right here today, where they waive Rob Edwards and then signed Jalen Horde. Jalen Horde is still not going to be on this roster on opening night for the Thunder, uh, but they're just doing this because whenever you cycle in camp invites, that now allows them to play for the Blue, and so now Rob Edwards will go play for the Blue. Jalen Hoard will go play for the blue. They just want to retain their rights for the G League because if those players do choose to play in the G League, well, now you can have them play for the blue uh, whenever they've signed these Exception 10 training camp deals. So it's no big deal. Jalen not will not be a part of this regular season roster, but he will be on the blue. He'll have a full season to to kind of grow and develop, and we'll see what he can do down there. The Thunder do take a lot of pride and emphasis on the blue than most teams do in in terms of their G League teams overall. So we'll see how that works out. But again, it's no big deal. But on tomorrow's show, I do want to make my roster projections 2.0 and we'll talk about some of the moves such as trading Derek Favors or trading like uh, Gabrielle deck or any other move that they can make to kind of get down to the necessary roster limits because the cut hand date is not going to be on Monday. So on Monday, the Thunder will have to cut down the roster officially uh, to 17 players, including the 2A deals. So you get 15 NBA deals, which right now the Thunder have 16 NBA deals. So they have to cut somebody's on an NBA deal right now. Uh, and then two to eight spots who they've already filled with Paul Watson Jr. and with Aaron Wiggins. So I'm going to have my roster projection 2.0 tomorrow. And then on on Wednesday night, they'll play the Bucs. On Thursday morning, I'll have the Bucks recap. On Friday, we're going to have a twofer. On Friday morning, for your regularly scheduled time slot of midnight drop, and you can listen to it all throughout the morning, will be Richard Stammen, uh talking to you with me about the NBA draft and about how these young players can develop. And then in the afternoon on Friday, I'll recap Thursday's game uh, between the Bucks and the Thunder in the preseason and kind of put a bow on the preseason as a whole. Uh, so that's what we have to look forward to. A bonus show this week. And then next week we'll have some preview content. And then next Wednesday it's the season. and We're back in the regular season. We're back and better than ever. It's Locked on Thunder. Thank you for making this your first listen. Thank you for making Locked on Thunder last week. The biggest week in Locked on Thunder history. This podcast is history. That's incredible, especially considering – all the hosts that went before me, thank you for listening to Lockdown Thunder every single day. Subscribe on all your platforms. It's very free and very available on YouTube, on Apple, Spotify, everywhere else you listen to your podcast from. Subscribe, like, rate, review, uh, wherever you get your podcast from. Thank you for listening. Follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Until next time, be good and be good to one another.